You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia. Hey guys, Michelle here from Mushing Radio. We are doing something new here. This is our first ever after show. You will hear Robert, Tony, and I talk about some behind-the-scenes stuff and give you an opportunity to get to know the team a little better. The first after show is free, but we would love for you to join us over on Patreon. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia and for behind-the-scenes access bonus episodes, and much, much more. Join our community of mushing enthusiasts and become part of the conversation. Support us on Patreon today. Now to the kickoff show. We didn't, you didn't make me pick a, a, who was going to win. So oh. It was a good show. <laughs> it, it was a good show. And guess what? Guess what? I am You're still recording. I am still recording for an after show. And we are going to bring, we are going to bring in a third host. We're going to bring in Yay! Michelle. Michelle, welcome to Yay! our little after show. What do you think about all this coverage that we're doing all of these races oh. that we're covering, all this time I'm spending uh, behind the mic as long as well with Tony and, and all the <laughs> stuff that's going into it. What are your thoughts about all this? Well, first off, I think that not predicting the winner will save us from any kind of jinxing that can go on. I, I want to add in there that it's becoming the Madden syndrome if you recall, anytime he put somebody on the cover yeah. of the game, yeah. they had a bad season. So we don't necessarily need to jinx anyone. Um, I, I like I to do agree. I like to do the predictions too, but we might want to pull back on those. I gotta let everybody <laughs> know though, uh Robert's pretty modest uh kind of a guy. And he fails to give himself some credit. And credit is due, Tony. Robert started mm -hmm. the Mushing Radio podcast as a part of our Dogworks Radio podcast 14 years ago this very month. And there is a lot of content out there that he and I and he and I and Alex and he and Alex and then Alex and I and you and Robert. <laughs> I mean, we have run the gambit. Um, he has interviewed every Iditarod musher in the past 14 years that you could think of. Every single one of them has been interviewed. And then this past season he spent the entire season interviewing sprint mushers with our good friend Karosh uh around the world and that's an entirely different genre if you will of mushing it's fast-paced it's uh different types of dogs it's more accessible to the fan it's more accessible mm -hmm. to the fan to even get out there and give it a try and that's why I bring it up right so, Tony, since this is our first after show, we have to make this a little bit different <laughs> than our normal broadcast. Right. Right. And for folks that are listening to this, uh, we, we, we very much appreciate it. But I would like to do something uh, that we don't necessarily talk about on the show and do a little bit of 
behind the scenes, uh, how the sausage is made, if you will, <laughs> and, and go into this. I would like to start with you, Tony. I know you do a lot of prep, in particular on your on your blog, uh, Writer's Block uh, blog. Can you tell us a little bit about that process that you go through? How do you how do you keep <laughs> How do you keep everything straight? Uh, you know, do you have a database? Where are you getting all your information? Do you have it saved somewhere? Do you, do you just have an encyclopedic She's mind She's a medium, Robert. She's a medium. Yeah. How, how, let's talk about your blog <laughs> first. How do you keep everything straight? Because that is really becoming one of the go-to sources. And I know you've mentioned it on the last couple of race shows that we've done where the local media is reaching out to you and asking you questions. And I'm sure they're doing that because they're reading your blog. Can you tell us a little bit about that process if you can? Um, yeah. Uh, some of the, the media actually started following me when I was working for Mitch a few years back. And um, that's actually how what I'm doing now in my blog started because um, I was basically Danny Stevie's office assistant slash reservation taker slash uh, whatever needed to be done, other duties as assigned. Um, it was something that I could do from home. Um, it was something that he uh, was, Dallas actually, I guess, suggested he reach out to me um, when he needed a new office assistant uh, back in 2012. And so then if you've been a, a fan of, of all of that, um, that long, Danny started blogging through Facebook during Iditarod. Um, it was a way to kind of keep uh, tabs without being too obsessive about the tracker and stuff. So he'd write these amazing stories of uh, what his dad was maybe experiencing on the race, what Dallas was experiencing, because that was Dallas's first Iditarod that he won. Um, and so there were these really heartfelt tributes that you're just sitting there going, really, where is this coming from? Because I hear how you guys talk to each other you're more brothers than, than what this is reading. This is reading like a fanboy here. And, um, but as we were going along, Danny was like, you know what? I, I want to know where all of the other mushers are on Facebook and on Twitter and, you know, what they're saying. Do they have a website? Where's all of this? So that he could then kind of channel any information or glean any information that they were posting necessarily. And in 2012, you weren't really getting that yet. Um, you know, the big names, Mitch Stevie, Jeff King, you know, they had them, but they had them for their tour business, not necessarily their racing kennel. Um, I think Jeff King was one of the first to really push that envelope. He was posting the pictures of each dog member. And so then I kind of stole that idea and said, hey, let's do that with Mitch's team. And uh, so we posted that that first year that I worked for them. Um, and it, it took off. And so now you see it all the time, but it was really, it wasn't something that when I was working there um, was common. So it was just a way for, we had this kind of database that, you know, we could just kind of keep tabs on whoever was in the editor. Um, and then when I left there, you know, that kind of went by the wayside. Danny was doing his own thing and I started blogging just for the heck of it. And then I decided, you know, Danny was onto something all of those years ago, those, those social media links. It's hard to keep track of whose kennel is which and which rookie is with which big time musher and everything. So um, I worked off of a spreadsheet that I started for him or that he started and that I continued on for him. Um, 
And I kind of took from that, I don't actually keep spreadsheets. I'm not as organized as I should be. Um, I just basically, I have it all on my blog now. So I just search the names if I don't remember, you know, what their stuff is. And then I just copy and paste uh, their information. And then I do have some spreadsheets to kind of keep it all in order for each blog post, but I don't have like one big database. I'm also like totally just paranoid that somebody from PETA or something is going to find my my Google Docs and be able to get into it, and then they can harass all of these mushers. So that was my hesitation doing the blog at all, was I wasn't sure if it was something that the, the community would want, but now everybody's like, oh my gosh, are you going to have the list for this race? And so I it, it, it turned out to be a bigger thing than I expected, and that was a very long story, so I apologize. That's okay. And, and on my side of it, a lot of people ask, what do you do to prep for your shows? And I will honestly say very little prep goes into <laughs> to my side of the show. I don't follow these races nearly as religious as, as you do. You know, I don't subscribe to trackers or anything like that. But a lot of my analysis, I guess, if you will, comes from my experience as a, as a dog musher. I've been doing this since 1994. So I understand a lot of strategy and, you know, trail conditions and all of that. So I hope I can bring that side of it. And it was very deliberate in bringing in uh, first Alex uh, as my co-host for a long time. He and I did it for for several years together, uh, in particular on our Iditarod coverage. Now you, it was deliberate because I wanted a show that showed more sides than just the musher's perspective or even just the fans' perspective or sort of an insider's perspective. And I think that we do that because it's a really good give and take to be able to do that. And then I guess probably where I do the most work is after the show is over. Uh, <laughs> even though we don't edit a lot of these um, race preview and recap shows just solely for time, uh, I do do some editing on our normal show, the uh, the bi-weekly show. But you know where I have the most fun, Tony, and I know that we're just starting out this <laughs> this uh, preview uh, recap series that we've been doing. But I have the most fun on Iditarod. That's that's our bread and butter. That's that's where we're really diving deep. And I don't think anybody else anywhere is doing what we do. Uh, no, you know, I can remember when uh, I first, quote unquote, met Alex online through Twitter. We were just a small little musher Twitter community. I don't even think we used that hashtag back then. And it was just, I, I think a dozen of us, you were you were kind of in that, you know, you jump in once in a while. And, and I think that's how we met was through Alex. But I can remember listening to some of the podcasts and I'm, I'm honestly not a podcast listener that much. I have a couple that I'll listen to in the morning or I'll play them at night so that as like white noise while I sleep. But, um, but it was just always so kind of cool to, to hear um, different perspectives. A lot of the time I did not agree with some of the stuff that, <laughs> that Alex or you would say. And I'm like, no, that is not what's happening right now. You guys are crazy. Um, but it, it, it is, it's, it's fun. And it's for me, I, I think you guys asked me for like four years before I finally said yes. Um, and it was just because, I mean, I love talking about this stuff, but I don't feel like, like I said earlier, I have like imposter syndrome. 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a musher. I did work for some mushers and I can parrot everything that they used to say to tourists and fans. Um, but I don't have that knowledge that, that you bring to the show and, and, um, you know, I can, I can BS with the best of them, but as far as having that, that confidence, it's always nice to kind of have you jump in when I'm like, I have no idea. I just know what the little flag is doing on the, on the map. Um, but I, I have learned a lot from the different mushers that I've talked to you being one of them. And, and so it's, it's, it's just fun. It's, it's an outlet for me to actually get to talk to someone that understands and loves the sport like I do. And, um, it's not just me typing into the, the interwebs and, and maybe a couple people are reading it. So it's, it's nice to have that feedback. So before I turn over the mic to Michelle, she has a couple of questions for us, sort of behind Uh-oh. the scenes type questions. I do want to say that what what we do very intentional on our show and fans that listen may or may not recognize this is we try our best not to be too gossipy on our show. And at least I try. Tony, what are your thoughts on just really just laying out the gossip? I'm not, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of the the stuff that I know that I don't share is because I have a good working relationship or a good friendship with either handlers, excuse me, either handlers or mushers. Um, I think it comes back to when I was working for the Stevies. It was one of those things where you heard a lot of stuff in the shop. But the official stuff is what goes out, and there's a lot of stuff that doesn't um, for a lot of reasons, you know. And I'm not, I was never one to really enjoy like the high school drama um, and, and the nitpicking and stuff. And so I, I'm not a huge fan of talking about gossip. Like I'll gripe about a race organization all day long, but I'm, I'm less likely to talk about different mushers behind their back, especially when we're recording. <laughs> All right, so this is going to be a true after show. <laughs> this this is our our first after show. We just finished up recording two shows. Uh, we've been on the air now for about an hour and forty minutes. So this is truly how That's the sausage really. is made. Uh, we just finished up the Willow three hundred recap and the preview for the John Bear Grease Marathon. So Michelle, you have a couple of questions for each of us. And I understand you're going to ask Tony the question first, and then I'll answer. Then we'll go to number two. We have three of them, Tony. Go for it, Michelle. Okay. All right. Tony, what is your biggest struggle doing the podcast? Not saying, um, I, once I catch myself saying, um, that's when I like totally go off. I'm not a public speaker. This is very much out of my wheelhouse. So it's been a challenge to slow down, to calm down, to not, as I'm speaking, worry about what I'm saying is going to either annoy somebody or somebody is going to just want to go off on me. I I have that very, like I said, I have the imposter syndrome, but I just also have a lot of social anxiety that's built up over the years. So I'm going to give you out of my comfort zone. (laughs) I'm going to give you a little bit of advice it was very hard for me when i first got started too what's your little dog's name uh his name is stitch okay so when you're doing this podcast from now on i want you to talk to stitch 
Oh, no, you don't want me to do yep. that. I'll start talking baby talk. <laughs> I want you to focus on Stitch instead of all the haters and all the doubts and all the darkness that you're mustering up. Throw that in the trash. The only fan you have <laughs> is Stitch. And Stitch will never shade you. Okay? Uh-huh, yeah. Okay. Have you worked with a pug? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I have. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Robert. So what is your biggest struggle doing the podcast besides your wife saying, hurry up, dinner's ready? Uh, I think my biggest struggle is just trying to find the time to fit everything in. And I think I could probably do a much better job than we already do promoting this. Uh, one of the, my biggest issues always going in is how relevant is the content and I think, uh, I know we talked about that, Tony, in just our previous show about that moment in time, but we put a lot of work into this. And when we when we hit uh, pause or end or whatever, and we promote it on social media and all that, uh, that's my biggest struggle is what should be next? Should we continue to promote it? Should we just let it, mm-hmm. you know, sort of let it die or whatever? That's my struggle. And that's the struggle with anything on social media is just trying to figure out when is it enough. I want to add something there where uh, I got to say that because of your passion with the dogs and with mushing, you really bring a different level of fandom and education aspects to the sport. And I think it's important that your show was started and I think it's important that it continues. Yeah, by far our our biggest comment on any social media platform or the reviews on on Apple or whatever, they say that this sport needs this and I, I will toot our horn till the cows come home. It is so awesome to have 160 odd countries that are listening to our show. You know, Tony, I, I know that you think, well, you know, just a few people are listening, but I see that map every <laughs> single time I hit Don't post. And when people are listening in countries you would never think of, in Poland and South America or uh, South Africa and Sudan and, and Egypt and Thailand and Japan and Russia and, of course, everywhere where mushing is popular – but that is quite humbling, and and by far, that is our biggest compliment when people say, you guys are doing something that, that needs to be done. I think that that's totally awesome. Michelle, what's the next question? The next question is, what is your favorite story? About podcasting or about the show? Hmm. I want to say more so about mushing. Ah, Tony, I I know we've talked about this before, but do you have one story that really stands out, maybe about mushing, but in your time as reporting this on the podcast, do you have a favorite? Or even as her time as a young volunteer with her family. Let's keep it to the podcast since this is the after show. So (laughs) you've been doing this now full time for about a year and a half, and then you did a year with us part time. What is your favorite story that you reported on or spoke about here on the podcast? The Rady Pass Protea Mafia. <laughs> yes. Okay, what? <laughs> you know what my answer is. The, the pony. The, the Rainy Pass Ponies. The Rainy Pass <laughs> Ponies. Oh, yes. I loved that story, too. 
Um, that was actually a very fantasy-like story for me. I would love to have been out there on my dog sled and come across the ponies like that. I probably would have got off and tried to go catch one. Robert? <laughs> so my, I, yeah, Go ahead, Tony. Do you have anything else to add to that? I was just going to say, I actually was just talking about it with my dad the other day because I finally watched the, uh, the Insider DVD from that year. And um, just re-watching Dallas's horror as he's telling the story about how, you know, he didn't believe in the, the fifth wind jinx. He, he's not a believer of that. And yet here he was so close to the finish and out of nowhere, these ponies come and they can't get rid of him. He's trying to fight him off. And, and he's like, all right, maybe the jinx is real. I don't know. But it was, it was just one of my favorite stories because nobody knew about it. Nobody had any clue that this was going to be a problem. We were all worried about moose that year. And, oh, no, it's the hungry ponies. They're what you have to watch out for. Yes, yes. And, and, and there's a whole bunch of stories about those, those horses uh, not mushing related. A, a friend of mine at UAA worked up there at Rainy Pass as a guide one year. And one of his jobs was to take care of those ponies. And for folks that don't know, this is not anywhere near the road system. This is a long, <laughs> a long way off and an expensive trip. And to have a group of horses, I have no idea how many they have up there, but to, to be able to care for a brood of horses literally in the middle of nowhere is a big deal. <laughs> and, and for that to be become one of the greatest stories in Iditarod history, maybe not just on this podcast, but on Iditarod itself. I think that's pretty cool. So my favorite story, I know I've, I've mentioned this before, but it's definitely the time Alex and I were hosting at the radio station. I was at the radio station that night and we were talking away and we knew we were out of time. And in radio, they are very stickler about time. They want you to be at, I think it's 27 and a half minutes because they have bumpers at the beginning and I got to pay the bill, so to speak. But we just kept going and going and going and going. And it just happened to be uh, uh, Dallas CV's first win. And we reported it live on the air. And it was so cool because Alex is, is a huge fan. I mean, he's just an Iditarod mushing fan. And to be able to do that on the air, live, on, you know, on the radio, and people were listening to it in their car, of course, they could, they could hear about it on the Insider if they're sitting in front of their TV at, you know, at, uh, at their house or whatever. But to talk about that live on the air, on the radio, that is a cool thing because unless you have some type of media partnership, meaning you are reporting for that radio station for that event, and I'm thinking about the, the radio station up in Nome, K-Nome, or the one out in Glen Allen, uh, what is it, um, KNAC or something like that, mm -hmm. unless you are like an employee of those stations, you just don't report live on events like that on community-based radio. And I think that that by far is my favorite story on, on the podcast. Michelle, what's the last question? So I just got to say that was a once in a lifetime opportunity for a podcaster to catch when you were not at the finish line. Alex is sitting in Los Angeles <laughs> and were we in Denver? 
No, we were here. We were here. So you guys got to understand something. Alex is in Los Angeles and Robert is in Willow. No one is near Gnome whatsoever. So that was a once in a lifetime opportunity that will never repeat itself in the, under those circumstances again. And, and the time, and, and you know as well as I do, Tony, almost always they're finishing the race in the middle of the night. It's At like 3 a.m. You know, it's like <laughs> 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. is sort of the hot spot of, of, of finishing. But it just so happened to be that, that particular year where we're able to report it. And I think we were on a little bit later that night uh, because we've not always done it live at seven or whatever. It we was did. a 9 p.m. or yeah, something. Yeah, it, it was late for sure. I'm sure Tony knows mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. So uh, what's oh, the last gosh, question, Michelle? <laughs> so the last question is a little bit different, right? I want you both to think back to why you're podcasting. Why are you guys fans of mushing? I know, Robert, you're a musher, but why are you a fan of mushing? And as you're thinking back on it, how would you do this differently now or in the future? The podcast, you mean? Yes. Yeah, so what would you do differently with the podcast? Like it's, well, if I knew then what I knew now, kind of a question. <laughs> Tony, go for it. I, you know, what I know now, I think I probably would have said yes a whole lot sooner to you and Alex, uh, asking me to join the crew for Iditarod. I was just so, that was so out of my comfort zone. And, um, but I had such a fun time that first year with the both of you that um, I'm, I'm glad I didn't annoy you for that. Um, As far as why I'm a fan of mushing, uh, I was born and raised in Alaska. I was at the Rondi races and diapers. I don't remember a time when um, mushing of some sort wasn't something that I was paying attention to. Um, but it really comes back. I used to tell tourists this when we were selling stuff in the gift shop there at uh, Dallas's Wild Ride Sled Dog Rodeo in Anchorage. Um, but it's the, the book, the children's book, Danger the Dogyard Cat. It's by Libby Riddles and Shelley Yill. Um, it came out the year I turned five. And I was gifted it, and it used to come with a little audio cassette where Libby would read you the story, and Hobo Jim would sing you songs about the story. And it was the most amazing thing ever, and I absolutely loved it, and it changed my life. I used to tell people it changed my life, and it really did because it did solidify just my obsession with Iditarod and dog sledding, and I wanted to be a musher until I started researching how much time you were actually cleaning poop every day and that didn't sound like fun so I decided I didn't want to be a musher but I definitely wanted to continue on the family legacy of volunteering for Iditarod so that essentially is why I am a fan of mushing it's just deep down in my soul it's nostalgic um, and I absolutely love most of the people that run those races so what would I do different I, I guess I have three things uh, the first thing I would do different and I would love to figure out the best way to do that this is we talked about doing uh, the the live finish for that uh, that show when mm-hmm. when Dallas won uh, uh, several years ago I think that was 2012 I don't recall exactly mm-hmm. um, what? But I would love to do our Iditarod shows live, meaning at that time with fans that can listen. I know that it's possible. It takes a lot of bandwidth. It takes a pretty fast internet. 
uh, it may, it, 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 it would require you got that Starlink. It would require some work, but I would really <laughs> like to do the, the, the shows live, uh, which goes with it. I would like to do them by video and Michelle and I are, are contemplating, figuring out how to do, um, a video podcast where we're streaming on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch or whatever at the same time. And of course, it'll just be us talking to each other on the screen. But I think that that would really add an element that would be cool. The second thing I would I like... I think that it would be cool if you're going to do it, that we get to have a fan come on every once in a while. Uh, if, if you're willing, we do have Patreon. We do have Patreon now. We're that would be fun. Patreon.com slash First Paw Media. My next thing that I would love to do, Tony, and I know that you talked a little bit about this uh, earlier in the year about trying to get to the Cusco 300. I would love to figure out how we could get to some of these races. I know Kale Casey does an amazing job with his Facebook Live, and that's sort of the next level of broadcasting. But I would love to either have you, me, the both of us, all three of us go to the start, the finish, whatever of some of these races for the pure intent of being on the air. I think that that would be cool. That would really take us to the next level for our fans because we are boots on the ground. We're not just sitting in uh, a podcasting space somewhere. And the last thing that I would probably like to do would go to uh, figuring out ways to incorporate our fans, whether they're uh, asking questions on like voicemails, they send us voicemail questions or whatever, something more than we're doing on social media now where we're saying, hey, we're going live. Do you have any questions? I think that that's too easy. I think it's too late. It may be too late, but there's got to be other ways where we can include <laughs> the fans because nobody's talking about these races unless they're talking about them on Facebook or Twitter. Well, you know, you know Robert, if they become Patreon members, then they're able to give us questions about shows and about mushing and about the mushers and about the dogs in a way that we can fashion them around the show. We could. And, and I'm sure some of them would be willing to... Uh to leave us their voicemails or, or whatever that we could play on the air. So that's what I have. Live shows, live with video, and incorporating the fans more than we do now. Michelle, anything else before we hit in on our first ever Mushing <laughs> Radio after show? You know what? I think that this first ever Mushing show after show should be posted as a regular show with the premise that we are asking you to join us on Patreon. And I know that we've said it a couple of times, you guys, but we really would like to build the fan base. We really want you guys as fans, and we have thousands of you. We want you guys to become more of the action, part of this program. Help us design a better show by becoming a member. Yeah, and we have memberships at a dollar. Uh, that will give you a virtual hug, if you will. $2, $5, I believe even $20 uh, per month. So for the price of a cup of coffee, as they say on all those late <laughs> night infomercial, give us uh, your support. For the price of a cup of coffee, you could be part of a very cool community. And I know that this show was not 
to promote our Patreon, but maybe we will just put these after shows on Patreon by themselves. So it will be an exclusive. I have to have this. I have to listen to this. Uh, here is my extra special private link to listen. And maybe we'll do it that way. Tony, before we go, anything in closing? Go Niners. That's all I care about tomorrow. Go Niners. So uh, I guess I, I guess we should end this with a jinx and or a prediction. Is it going to be the the Niners in the Super Bowl with the... Oh, you are not going to do who no. who who is going Stop. to be who's going to be in the Super Bowl? You think you can't do that to um, either a, of us? You know we're both Niner of, fans. A lot of football players are going to be there. Rihanna's going to be there at the Super Bowl. Um, I I don't remember if it's Fox or NBC that's covering it, but commentators will be there. Um, lots of rich people because nobody like me could afford a ticket to the Super Bowl. Uh, so yeah, there's going to be a lot of people at the Super Bowl. I am saying, and 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 my fantasy football team, you, as you know, you Tony. Think, if you jinx my team, I won't. I am coming for you. I'm not going to jinx. <laughs> I I am saying that it's going to be the Bengals and the 49ers in the Super Bowl, and I do not have a favorite team. Uh, nor do I have a favorite player. I think that those are probably the two hot teams right now. Of course, everybody loves Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. And there isn't a better story than Mr. Irrelevant. What's his name? Brock <laughs> Purdy, I believe is his name for the Brock 49ers. Purdy. My goodness. Oh, my goodness. That guy there. If He's you can... so cute. Yes. He's 12. <laughs> But you, you don't you don't have much of an underdog story than this guy. And I know that there's the Tom Brady story about, you know, the sixth round or whatever, or the Kurt Warner. I'm working at a at a grocery store <laughs> playing in the in the arena league and all of that. But this guy, he was left for last and he's going to be in the uh, NFC championship game. I think that that's pretty cool. And. We'll see if they can pull it off. But, man, they got some good players. Oh, uh, Christian McCaffrey uh-huh. and uh, uh, a couple of those George receivers. Kittle. What, George Kittle. George That's Kittle. Michelle's favorite player. On, you know, she my, said, my mom would be very mad if we did not give love George Kittle. He, he loves George Kittle. He is, he is an amazing tight end, and I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they play out. And that is the reason why, guys, we are not recording <laughs> any of these shows tomorrow. (laughs) So with that, Tony and Michelle, thanks for our first after show. We will see you guys next time. Goodbye. From Dog Works Radio, this is Mushing Radio. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe, too. Your host is Robert Forto. Our producers are Michelle Forto, Alex Stein, and Tony Ryder. Our executive producer is Robert Forto. Created for DogWorks Radio and First Paw Media.